Good evening. It's good to see everyone here. It's good to be home for a little bit. And good to see a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a while. Appreciate the opportunity to speak this evening, and I really appreciate the prayer on my behalf. I need all the help I can get. And But if you'll bear with me, we'll get through this this evening. But before I start, I want to send you greet or bring you greetings from Harlingen, Texas, and want to invite you to come see us in July the 26th through the 28th for the area-wide meeting. And I know that the flyer says it's not that far, but one thing about it, it's downhill from here. So Please come and, and spend that time with us. We're, we'll be, the topic or the theme is disciples making disciples. And we look forward to having everyone there that can be there. This evening, I want to talk about running on the edge. And I'm going to going to throw myself and five other people under the bus this evening and everyone's here except Kelly Hayes he's he's not here tonight but the rest of the bunch is here so a lot of you have heard this story before but I was probably 12 to 13 years old at the time and there was six of us boys that spent most every Sunday together. It was myself, Van Miller, Mark Miller, Hugh J. Miller, Kent Marshall, and Kelly Hayes. And I'm not going to tell you that we were always angels. But we survived it, <laughs> and we're, we're here today. Anyway, this particular Sunday afternoon... We were at my house, and Edmondson Wheat Growers was in the process of building two of these big grain tanks that you see. And, of course, we went down there and got to looking. Well, they had the top on, on these tanks, and there wasn't any augers or fence on top. So we climbed up there and looked around. Well, there was a safety rope tied at the top of that cone that went all the way down the roof and off to the side just a little bit. They had the, side and the sides and the top finished. So we decided... That was something we needed to do. So we were taking turns getting a hold of that rope and running around the top of that grain tank. And I'm going to tell you, you probably know this, but there's not a lot of brain power between six teenage boys. And you know, if we'd have been, if we'd have had a little bit of a brain, 
we'd have probably stayed on the north side of that tank instead of running around on the south side in view of my house. Well, again, our brains weren't working very good. So my dad looks out the window just as one of us boys went around the south side of that tank. And here he come. His pickup come flying down the highway and across that elevator yard. And most of y'all, a lot of y'all remember my dad. He had a big voice. But he was real calm and real gentle with us till we got off the top of that tank and on the ground. Then it changed. Wasn't so calm and gentle anymore. And what I recall about his message that day was that it would be in our best interest not to get back up there again. Because if we did do it again and didn't fall and kill one of us, he'd take care of that for us. So we knew he was serious. We'd been having a lot of fun on top of that grain tank. But to continue was not worth the punishment that was promised. The roof of that grain tank was very solid, 5-8 steel, so it was plenty capable of supporting our weight. The problem was it sloped down toward the edge. First Corinthians 10 verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they were written for our admonition. Upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you but, is, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Temptations all around us in this life. And this world is sloped toward the edge. If we're running on the edge, trying to walk a fine line between right and wrong, we're not looking for the help that we're promised in verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man, and God is faithful, who will suffer you to who will not suffer you to be attempted of, of what you're able, but he will make a way to escape. If we're running on the edge, we're in the wrong place. We need to be closer to God. We need to move up the hill, not down the hill. Proverbs 16, verse 25. There is a way that seemeth right to, unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. God's way is always the best, and it will keep you 
away from that age. Several people that we read about in the scriptures, they started out good, but then they got they went down the slope and got close to that edge, and some of them went completely off of the edge. King Saul is one that comes to mind. He went off the edge. But then we have examples of King David, or others like King David. He got really close to that edge, but he found his way back toward God and away from that edge. You know, we were comfortable that day. We were up there about 40 to 45 feet off the ground. We were not just walking around the edge of that tank. We were running. And even at times leaning out over the edge. I did something to it, Mark. There we go. Leave it to me to mess up technology. Like I said, we were comfortable doing what we were doing because we had a safety rope. Matthew seven twenty one through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Sometimes we may be running on the edge, leaning out over it. in our spiritual life because we have the safety rope of a God that loves us. But we can be hanging over that edge far enough that He doesn't know us. He doesn't recognize us. We can get too comfortable with our position spiritually and think there is no room to improve. Second Timothy 2, verses 14 through 17. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subvert, subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, and of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. We should continuously grow and get closer to our God. And it doesn't stop till the day we die. That's our job, to move away from that edge and move toward our loving God. You know, as I was thinking about this subject, I thought of a good friend and neighbor that farmed 
across the road from where I grew up. He was a good farmer, but he couldn't make a straight road to save his life. When we would get caught up with Dad's tractor work, I'd hire out to the neighbors and work for them. And it was a pretty good deal because they paid cash money. Dad always said he paid three and a half a day, which meant three meals and half a bed. So cash money looked really good at the time. The older I get, three and a half a day sounds, pretty, sounds a little better. There were several times that I would cultivate for this neighbor, and you'd get out in the middle of the field and the rows would just disappear. There was, they just went away. And then you'd pick it back up a little further down the row. He got, he got those rows so crooked that when he would make a correction, it would take out some of the rows that he'd already made. The problem with that was that the cotton was plowed up when those rows got too close together. And when those rows disappeared and he would irrigate, the water had nowhere to go. So production was lost from being plowed up and then production was lost because the plants down the row didn't get the water that they needed. You know, we can move away from the edge and straighten out our lives, but we lost production for our God while we were running on the edge. And we might have hindered others in the process. Romans 14, 7 through 13. For none of us liveth unto himself, and no man dieth unto himself. For whether we live... We live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both over the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess God. You know, we can say we're only hurting ourselves, but that's a lie. Our life affects those around us. We influence those around us. We influence our family. We influence our friends. We influence people that we don't even know. People are watching. But most importantly, God is watching every move that we make. And He knows every move that we make. Romans 14, verse 12 and 13. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, 
that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Romans 7, verses 19 through 25. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I do that I would not, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The more we run on the edge, the more we struggle with ourselves, and the more we rob from God and the production that He deserves. You know, we're told in the Scriptures to crucify the old man. Put him to death. Leave him behind. But when we're running on the edge, we're keeping that old man on life support. We need to completely crucify that old man and move toward our God. You know, the fall, if one of us six boys that day had fallen... Well, like I said, 40 to 45 feet. High enough to kill us. But we thought we were invincible. As most boys that age do. But we were not. One misstep and the fun would have been over. Like I said, we weren't even trying to avoid the edge. We were pushing it to the limit. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 and through 27. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so I fight, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be, become a castaway. We need to be careful where we are in our life. Paul's writing doesn't sound like someone that was running on the edge, does it? He was keeping an eye on the edge and avoiding it. The edge is no place for a Christian. One more story about the same bunch of boys. And it was probably pretty close to the same time of the elevator incident. We were all sitting together on the far side of the building from my parents. And about halfway up, which was in front 
of, our, of my parents. We were laughing, we were talking, we were having a big time. And my dad was trying to get my attention and I wasn't giving it. So he gets up and comes around to the back and the closest he could get was two pews behind us. We didn't know he was there, or I didn't know he was there. Next thing I know, he took the old Sacred Selection songbook and turned it on its end, and he hit me right in the back of the head with the spine of that book. And I knew who it was, and I knew why it was, and I knew if I turned around to look, the next lick would be between the eyes. But I tell you what, he made little gentlemen out of all six of those boys. We straightened up. We paid attention the rest of that service. Hebrews 12, 5 through 17. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth, scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are our partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. You know, if we're running on the edge, we're like Esau. We're selling our birthright. We're getting away from what God wants us to do. God also uses His book to correct us.
You know, when I was younger, I thought I had all the answers. I thought I had it figured out. And then the more you read the Scriptures, or the more I read the Scriptures, the more I realize that I'm running on the edge of some things. And I need to get back to what God says and what His, He wants out of my life. You know, I've read scriptures before and read them and read them and then I'll read them and I'm like, I had the wrong idea. I need to change. I need to line up with God's will, not my will. And you know, if I'm being honest with myself, when I realize that I'm wrong by studying God's word, I feel like I've been hit on the back of the head again. Pay attention, son. I'm talking to you. I'm telling you what you need to do. Correction's never fun. But it's necessary to keep us away from that dangerous edge of destruction. I don't like being wrong. But you know when the scriptures tell me I'm wrong? I've got to change. I've got to get in line with what God's word tells me. We have two choices. Stay on the edge and risk our eternal life or move to a position that God approves of. You know, if we're running on the edge, we're using this as a checklist. It's not a checklist. It tells us how to be Christ-like. And if we're using it as a checklist, we're just doing Christ-like things. We're not being what he wants us to be. You know that farmer that had the crooked rose. The neighbors teased him about it a lot of the time. They'd give him a hard time about his crooked rose. And the best excuse I ever heard for crooked rose came from him. He said, you know, I was out there that, that morning and I was making rows and they were too long to fit that field. So I had to bow them to get them in there. We cannot bend God's will to fit us. We've got to straighten up and fit Him. 2 Peter 3, 8 through 18, it says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. 
Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. If we continue on the path that God has told us not to travel, we, may avo- we will avoid destruction in this life. But if we are running on the edge, we're in danger. We're not close enough to our God. And you know what? He's going to take care of that on the day of judgment. No more kind and gentle. Terrible words to hear. Depart from me, I never knew you. And if we're we're on the edge, trying to use his word as a checklist, we're in danger. We need to be Christ-like, not just do Christ-like things. If there's anyone here that hasn't been obedient in baptism and would like to do so, we can help you with that. Or if there's anyone here that needs the prayers of this congregation, we invite you to come as we sing.